Welcome to Stepping Into Health, Inspiring Conversations with Tamara Ortigal. Join me for engaging conversations with people who are shining their light in the world. You will hear us chat about business, relationships, spirituality, community, hobbies, and health, all the things that contribute to our vitality and wholeness. Although I love to talk about food as medicine, energy healing, and other holistic modalities, at the root of my health coaching practice are these questions. Why do you want to be healthy? And what steps are you willing to take to get there? Through my podcast, I hope to increase your awareness of what is possible and to inspire you to take action. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Lynn. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I am so excited to talk with you today. Um, Many women are dreaming about doing something new and different. Maybe it's because our kids have grown up and no longer need us so much, or because we've been in corporate careers long enough and are longing for a new adventure. But um, either way, you're living this dream. And I know you can serve as an inspiration to all of our listeners. Oh, thank you. I'm all about new adventures and life is short and you got to just go for it. But it's not easy. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Launching a business is not for the faint of heart, but it is definitely rewarding. And so hopefully I can share some tips um, or tricks I've learned along the way. I bet you can. Yeah. Um, So let's jump right in and talk about your new kind of newish, amazing hair care brand, Masami. I, uh, I, I've been having fun playing with the products and I, I do have the shampoo conditioner and the serum. So we'll have to talk about that as we go on, but tell us all about it. (laughs) Oh, uh, and thank you for, um, using the products and supporting Masami and that's amazing. Um, and yeah, we launched in February of 2020 and we, um, I shouldn't, it makes it sound like it was really like easy to do. But my partner actually worked on the formulations for about 10 years. Um, he had come from the beauty industry. He had a real passion for solving what he saw was a real need to create clean hair care products that were super hydrating because hydration, and he didn't know this from the data, he just knew it from his intuition of dealing with it every day. Hydration is the number one issue that people have with their hair. Um, And it's actually the number one unmet need, if you think about it that way, meaning like if you solve hydration for people, usually their other hair complaints go away because their hair is healthy looking and it's not frizzy and it's shiny and all that other stuff. So, so he kind of knew that there was, there, there was a need for this. He was actually working at Clairol and he was the guy in charge of booking the models and dealing with the shoots. So he was also the guy on the, other end of complaints, like when models would have to have their hair colored and then colored back within a day and their hair would be fried and they'd be crying. You know, he'd be the guy that would be like, Oh my God, I wish there was something I could do for you, but you know, this, this is, this is it. So anyway, he spent a really long time trying to figure out how to do this. And, um, what I've, what I've learned is it's really tough in hair care because when you take out the sulfates and the parabens and the phthalates, you basically take the performance out. Um, so you have to find alternative ingredients that will give customers the level of performance that they want, which was really important to us. Like I wanted really high performing products still, not wimpy, watered down, clean products but clean products that really worked. So 
anyway, um, I met him in 2018 and we, you know, he had gotten to a point where the formulations were really good and he had taken it as far as he could on his own. And I was very skeptical initially because I've worked in advertising and marketing my whole career. And I know how it, it's easy to tell a story, but the product doesn't always deliver. Um, and I tried the products and I was actually totally convinced and converted. And so he and I decided to launch the business together and we created the brand and the everything, the packaging and the go-to-market strategy and all that stuff. And it took us about 18 months from us agreeing and him having formulations, but really nothing else. And then really creating the brand and, and strategy to launch. And we launched in February, as I mentioned, of 2020. Yeah. Well, I do. I love the, um, I love the product. So kudos to him for creating such a great formulation. Um, and it's so true what you say, cause I've been around, um, the beauty brands for about 10 years, really paying attention to, you know, things that, um, I'm, and I, my family is associated with, you know, just really wanting the ingredients and the processing to be really top notch and clean. Um, and it is hard because a lot of organic products, don't they take out all the bad stuff but they don't perform and it's hard to stick with something like that so I'm really glad that the products do perform and my hair feels great so it's pretty exciting well that's excellent to hear and I think one of the things that we had to solve for was how to put in the hydration without weighing your hair down because I don't know if you've had that experience where you use like super moisturizing products but then your hair kind of looks limp yep yeah. Yep. So that was, that was part of the, the challenge of, of creating the formulations. It's like, okay, well, we can't have that happen because my hair is very thin. So I was also a little nervous about using such super hydrating products, but because we use Makabu powder, not extract, we are able to shove a lot of it into the formulas without it adding the weight. And that's the, the secret sauce. Now, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so the ingredients are um, Japanese. Yes, right? yes. Okay, so tell us about the ingredients. Well, I should say it's really the one main ingredient is Japanese. It's called makabu and it comes from Northeast Japan. And it's a very specific type of seaweed or ocean botanical that grows there. Um, and we found out about it because James is married to a Japanese man named Masa. Now you're going to start connecting the dots because Masa is our muse, hence our name, Masami. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Masa is amazing. He, he grew up in this little tiny town and I am so fortunate to have had the privilege of going to his hometown and visiting his family and seeing where he grew up and, and, and visiting the seaweed company that harvests our makabu and they dry it and they irradiate it and they powder it down and they ship it to us fresh. So that is our key ingredient. Um, and, you know, James, James kind of stumbled on it because he would go back home with Masa and he saw just how healthy Masa's family and that really everyone in Japan, you know, they just have a much healthier lifestyle and attitude, I think, towards what they put in and on their bodies. And they also have the longest life expectancy in the world. So something's working. Um, and you know, he noticed that not only were they eating the makabu all the time, like daily, like the way we eat avocados or kale here, but they would grind it down and put it in their skincare and hair care. So he, that's so cool. Yeah. So he was like, okay, there's something, something's going on here and I got to figure it out. 
so that's what happened. Oh my gosh, that's so neat. And then um, masa- Masami means what? Ah, it means truly beautiful in Japanese, which was just one of those serendipitous moments when we knew that we wanted to name the brand after Masa and we we're playing around with different variations of it. And we stumbled on Masami and it, and we looked up the translation and we're like, no, that can't be true. And then even better, it was available from a trademark perspective, which, you know, that's the other thing when you're trying to come up with branding is, you know, you can come up with a brilliant name and, you know, it's no good if somebody else already has it. Yeah, that is so frustrating. I know I've, I've had that situation before and, um, yeah. So, well, it's so original to me and uh, I think it's a beautiful name and your packaging is beautiful emerald green and it's just, it just makes you think of health and vitality. So, well, that was the idea. We also wanted it to be gender neutral so that men would also enjoy it because I think the world today is gender fluid and it's hard to be an inclusive brand in our opinion, if you're, if you're not really embracing that. So we, we wanted the products to be really intentionally gender neutral. And so the fragrance is not overly perfumey. The packaging is not too feminine. Like, yeah. And we have a lot of male customers who have found us and really love the brand. So that makes me happy. (laughs) Yeah, I know I've shared it. I have, um, well, my husband and my three boys, I have shared it with my husband and one of my sons and uh and said yeah check it out see if you like it and um it does make it easier in a family situation right to be able to share things back and forth and um so that well was easier or harder unless you want to keep it for yourself <laughs> that's probably true like being the only woman in the house I, I don't really have to share much <laughs> you know and then it's like what you're taking my shampoo now you know um but yes I think that was the idea uh, because you know what it the idea of getting hydrated hair is not a female problem. You know, it's, it's something that everybody deals with. So. It's so true. I know my three kids have my hair. I mean, we've got very Italian and we have very nice thick hair and tons of it. Uh, My husband almost, uh, he's so jealous of the amount of hair I lose. And, uh, and so, yeah, my, my boys, they do need to use good products that are light because yeah, they don't want their hair weighed down either. Um, or they won't stick with a product. How old are your your boys? So mine are 19, 24, and 25. Oh, they're a good age for our products. That's great. Yeah, my 19-year-old, I have a 19-year-old son as well. Um, he was kind of resisting using it for a while, and then he started using it, and he really loves it now. <laughs> I think there was a little bit of the resistance was like, it's mom's brand, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of <laughs> not cool to be using the brand that my mom did. But now he he loves it. So and my daughter is seventeen. She she was an easy convert. But um, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. I know once they like something, they do tell their friends, and uh, it's nice. We have to get these kids, you know, involved in in healthy beauty from a young age. Well, yeah, healthy beauty, healthy habits, getting them to understand how to look at ingredient labels, like, you know, which by the way, isn't just kids, like everyone should understand that because there's so many bad and toxic and harmful ingredients that are still in beauty products today, like a shocking amount. And the US is especially bad versus like Europe is, is much, much, much better about banning bad stuff. Um, So yeah, that's just a good habit to get into, I think, overall. Yeah, I talk about that a lot with people regarding health that, um, 
It is great to buy European products, um, especially because they use precautionary principle. And for people who don't know what that is, is that in Europe, they don't put ingredients in products and thus they've been proven to be safe. Where in the US, you know, we just will accept any product. And then if it, if the marketplace finds that the ingredients um, are causing issues, they'll do research to figure it out. And it's really hard to get a product banned. So, um, you know, we have a lot of things on the market that aren't safe and we can't be naive about that. So it's really, it is important to read the label and to know the backstory a little bit um, before we attach ourselves to brands. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's just hard because there are so many brands that have just been around so long that we just don't think about it and we just use them. And, but yet it's like, they just haven't evolved with the education that's now, you know, out there around what, what's good and bad. So they just haven't changed the formulas. And I get from a brand perspective, it's risky. It's like new Coke versus old Coke, right? You don't want to, you know, change the product and have everyone up in arms. But I think there are things you can do to um, replace um, and swap out ingredients with very minimal disruption, if any, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad that you found a good formulation. I think it's going to do very well in the market. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, our our chemist is amazing. We have a chemist in Chicago, and I think it is it is about just somebody that gets it and and really can you know know how to deliver um, on, on what we're looking for, which is not easy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to talk to you today because I really think that you're such an inspiration to women and. Um, there's, you know, probably a lot of people sitting on the fence, you know, hoping and wishing for something new. So um, tell me about how you came to leave your corporate environment and get involved in this startup. So I was the CEO of J. Walter Thompson in New York, which is a very large, very old ad agency. Um, and um, I was there for four years and about two years into my stint there, we had a very public Me Too lawsuit our head of corporate communications sued our global CEO publicly. We read about it in the New York post and um, that made my job a million times, you know, harder. Um, not that I'm complaining about that. I mean, obviously, you know, when, when there is a situation that, um, is 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 not good you you know it has to be dealt with but as a result i was i was on the front line of dealing with you know legal hr finance clients you know and so i i i was doing that for a while and i really wanted to kind of see the the get to the resolution of that uh even though i was miserable um so it was another two years really um and then I just decided I'm not enjoying what I'm doing anymore. I'm not um, finding it fulfilling at all. I, I got into advertising because I like this combination of right brain, left brain problem solving. But the problems I, I was solving were not those kind of problems. They were literally like finance issues. <laughs> so I just decided like, you know, it was time to do something else and and I just left and I didn't look back and it was great. It was, it was actually a great decision. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, like in your gut that you're not happy with something, but it takes some people years to actually act on it. It took me two years. Um, I probably could have quit a year, you know, a year earlier, 
but I also felt responsible for, you know, my team and the agency and, you know, trying to navigate a, a difficult situation. So you got to do what you, you've got to do. But um, yeah, I think I do try to coach people that when you know you're in a situation that's not ideal, whether it's, you know, because it's a toxic environment or because you're being held back and not in the job that you want, or you're just too comfortable because you make a lot of money, but you hate what you do. Those are situations that ultimately are not going to help you in the long term. I mean, yes, the money is nice, but um, you know, you really have to find another, another situation and, and not let it get to the point where, you know, it's years into it and you're just absolutely miserable. Yeah. I have an HR background and I know um, it is really hard to deal with some of those employee relations issues and to um, especially in your role as a CEO to, to know how to step away without um, leaving them in the lurch. But um, yeah, it's not healthy when you no longer feel invested and it's not a match for you anymore. It is hard to leave behind, but, in order for you to grow and be happy, sometimes you have to take those leaps and just go for it. Well, you can appreciate this as, as an HR person, but I've had to fire a, a lot of people over my career, you know, just like lots, um, hundreds. Um, and, and, and most, you know, sometimes it was downsizing and restructuring and things like that. And other times it was just a performance issue or, or you know, another issue. Um, and it was always interesting to me because nine times out of 10, the person would be relieved. Like, like they knew that it wasn't working out great um, or they knew that they weren't performing at their, at their peak. Um, and there were so many examples of people that, and I always felt really bad, you know, as, as the one having to deal with it, but um, but those people would leave and, and get on, move on to a much better situation for themselves. You know what I mean? And, and, and sometimes I would think, oh, I wish I had done that sooner because then they would have, they would have gotten into that other situation sooner. Like, so I, I, I think most of the time it ends up working out really well if you, whether you're forced to leave or, or you know, by, by your choice or someone else's, it's, it's the catalyst to do something that you love, you know? It's so true. Yeah, I think that these um, conversations that, you know, people can have with their leadership, you know, to be honest, it, I hope that we continue to grow that muscle to be have really good conversations where people can can be honestly say, I know I'm not thriving, I'm struggling, you know, help me either get what I need from this organization or move on to somewhere else. And then it can, you know, the struggle can be lessened. That has to just be so heartbreaking. On their right, side on their too. side too, exactly. Um, so I, I really think it is a little bit about self-awareness, you know, and sometimes people have these dreams of having a certain job and it's not what they're good at. Um, and, and, and they just have to come to the realization that sometimes their skills and their capabilities and their superpower align somewhere else. And you know, I've, I've had that conversation with a few people where it's like, they really want to be a creative person, and, you know, in the advertising world, it's the person who actually, you know, makes the, ad, comes up with the idea for the ads, makes the ads, but they're really good at producing and they're not so good at the creative part, you know, and then it's like getting them to realize that. Um, and then when they do how liberating it is, 
You know, when you really see somebody thrive in a role that they're really well suited for versus struggling in a role that's just not as easy for them, you know? So true. Yeah. I know. I feel like there's a lot of corporate people who are doing side hustles now. Are you seeing Oh my God. So many. I'm seeing so many. Um, And it's so interesting because um, over the last couple of years, I've become super aware of how many well, really people in my world, which is, you know, advertising, how many people have launched their own brands. Um, a lot of them are doing what I'm doing, just going full, full out, right? Like you're quitting, you're doing this, it's your full-time gig, but there are also a lot of people doing it on the side, which I think is actually, if you're in a position where you can do that and you have the bandwidth and the flexibility to be able to test the waters of whatever your idea is, without having to completely pull the plug, that's brilliant because then you can spend a little time setting yourself up for success. You can make sure there's, you know, a scalable market for your idea. You can line up all your, you know, capabilities and your network for what you need to launch and pretty much get everything ready. Um, so when you do, do decide to, to take that leap, it's, it's not like you're starting from scratch, you know? Yeah, that's what I always say to people too, is like, it's hard to leave, you know, a stable income behind. And, um, and so if you're not, if you don't have the savings or someone backing you to be able to do that, then, you know, set yourself up well, take your time. And, and like you said, grow it alongside your career so that when you're really ready to go, you can go and be successful. Yeah, I think for a lot of people that that's a good path. Um, and it's probably the least disruptive path in some ways, but it's also a massive amount of work. I mean, starting a business, if you're serious about it, you know, doing it as a side hustle is, is not easy. You're working around the clock, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So with your situation, what previous roles do you think you've played in the past have helped you most prepare for becoming an entrepreneur? Well, it helps that my parents were entrepreneurs. You know, because I do think it's a little bit of a genetic predisposition for it. Because um, I, I don't know if maybe it's nature versus nurture. Because, you know, when you grow up in an environment where, you're, where, you know, you're around small business owners and you see that they're working weird hours and yet you see the positives, you know, you really understand, I think, what that looks like. And I used to do their bookkeeping for them when I was in high school, you know, so it's like I kind of understood that side of it, too. Um, and then funny enough, my brother now works with me. So he also has it kind of in his DNA. But I will say from a corporate perspective, um, you know, I think my account management skills have been very helpful because when you're an account manager in advertising, you're looking at connecting the dots basically between, you know, the business, the creative, uh, the the problem, the solution, you know, you're always you're always looking to piece things together strategically. And you also have to wear a lot of hats. You have to understand digital marketing. You have to understand brand building. You have to understand design and creative. You may not go deep on all those things, but you you know enough to be dangerous. And um, I think that's really prepared me because when you're an entrepreneur, you know, you do wear a gazillion hats. And there are some days when I'm just creating content all day. And there are other days when I'm in QuickBooks all day, you know, and um, those worlds look like they're really far apart, but um, they're not because you do all of them and you kind of have to toggle back and forth. And what I've learned, though, is the things that I don't like to do or I'm not good at, 
it, you know, I do try to delegate those and find somebody who actually is good at them because there's no point in, in, you know, me doing it badly or spending time on something that just isn't going to reap the reward. So I always say to people like, really do a self analysis to understand like what you really like to do and what stuff you really don't like to do and understand what capabilities the business needs. You know, if you're an e-commerce business, you need somebody who gets analytics. You know, you need somebody who understands SEO and various other marketing pieces. So if it's not you, then find somebody who can do it, you know? Yeah, it is so true. It's We have these inclinations towards things and the things that we're really not good at take us so much longer and they're so painful. And so, yeah, it is nice if you can find somebody to take that. I mean, away. I just brought in somebody to help with bookkeeping, even though I just said I used to do it for my parents. I never liked it. And back in the day when I did it, it wasn't all automated and online. It was manual ledger entries, you know? Um, which I could understand. Now I go into QuickBooks and I'm literally like, I'm like in tears after like three hours because I just don't understand it. I don't get it. I'll, I'll put something in the wrong place and it screws up the balance sheet. And I'm like, what did I do? So now I've just decided I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I have to have somebody else do it. I just, it's too miserable. It's yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. It's so funny that you say that because my parents um, had a restaurant when I was uh, in high school and uh, previous ones when I was small. And I do think that this whole, uh, you know, independence that we uh, have when we're entrepreneurs is kind of in your blood and the creativity and being, uh, you know, having an outlet for your creativity. I know I, um, I love working on my own, but I also dream of someday owning like a small farm that I can use as an event yes. space. Like, can I grow olives or um, something like that, where I literally can see the the growth of my plants and have this barn or this thing where people can have parties and gather and taste and whatnot. And, um, so I'm hoping that someday I can find that, that place and that uh, pull, oh my God. Together. I love that idea. Cause I'm like that too. I, I put beehives on my property, um, which did not turn out so well, <laughs> I will admit. but I, but I'm <laughs> trying, but yeah, I love that. Um, I think it's a really cool idea and it, it's, it's kind of also about, yeah, finding a creative outlet, but, but also just finding some inspiration that's more aligned with nature for me, at least like, and like you're talking about algae, like doing things that are more about getting back to the earth. And, you know, like I, I always try to plant a big garden every, every season. And, and, you know, knowing that it's like, there's no pesticides and it's all, you know, it's, it's grown right there. And it, it, it's just, there's something comforting in that. Yeah. And the, the, the food tastes so much better and it has so many more nutrients. And that just, I think is pleasing too. Like, to your taste buds and you feel healthier and more vital. And yeah, really I, cool. it really does feel very satisfying, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you think that some of your wisdom comes from your age and being, you know, in midlife doing this venture? Or do you think that you just always have been this way? Well, there's got to be some benefit to experience for sure. But I don't know how much of it really is just, you know, your approach to life overall, which is not an age thing necessarily. Right. Um, 
I will say something that's really helped me being an older entrepreneur is that I make really fast decisions, you know, where other people might hem and haw or, you know, not, not, not be sure what to do. I don't have that problem. <laughs> um, and I think that that is the experience because I've done so many different things before. I've worked on so many brands before. I'm very confident in the decisions. And by the way, if I screw up, which I do, I just move on. I, I just fix it and move on to something else. And I'm fine with that. Um, so I, I think some people feel like it's a lot harder being an older entrepreneur. And I don't agree. I actually think you can get so much done in such a short time um, versus, you know, somebody who's never gone through this. Um, and I, I have had, I don't know if I told you the story before, but there was an investor who basically told my husband that I was too old. Um, and it really pissed me off because he's really old, by the way, this investor. So I, was, I was literally oh like, gosh. you're kidding, right? Like this dude's in his sixties and he's saying that I'm too old to launch a company. Like, oh my God. <laughs> he's not going to live as long as you are. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. But you know, his issue, he didn't know I was listening on the call. My husband was having a call with him to talk about the business and he didn't know I was listening. So, so he let loose, right? Which it's so interesting when, when that happens, because you think other people would probably are thinking the same thing, but aren't saying it. And this guy said it because I wasn't there. Um, so he, you know, he basically said that I wouldn't have enough energy. That was his issue. She's way too old. She won't have enough energy. Forget it. It'll never work. And I was literally like, you know, my husband had to like shut me up because I was so outraged. I wanted to like scream at the guy. But um, but but the thing is, I have like anyone that knows me, energy is not my issue or lack of energy is not my issue. I have more energy than, you know, to go around far more than my teenagers, by the way. Um, so that's not my problem. So it's sort of like, you know, if anything, I have the opposite issue. I can't stop sometimes. You know, I have a hard time. I have a hard time meditating. Oh. I have a hard time doing stuff, sitting still, just being being quiet or alone. Or I just really have a hard time. <laughs> so um, I just thought it was funny that that's his perception, and it's almost like an old person because he's older than me having that perception. And would he call him? Was it? Would he say that about himself? You know what I mean? Yeah, that was horrible. Um, but too bad for him that he has that perception because aren't the most famous artists um, known for their work oh, that yeah. they did later think, in life? Yeah, like Picasso, you I know? think was was one of those, right? That was, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I just feel like, you know, us being in our 50s, because I'm just a couple of years older than you, I feel like I've got plenty of time. You know, I just, I feel like I can do lots of things in the next 30 or 40 sure. years. You live so long um, now, so if you think about it. I mean, I'm always seeing these, oh, did you see today Prince Philip had to go to the hospital? And I look at the story because I'm like, oh, does he have COVID? I'm curious. No, he's 99 years old. <gasps> I didn't see old. that. No. So that's the Good thing. It's like, it's not that inconceivable to live to a hundred these days. One of my friends, mothers just died. She was 104. So, yeah, yeah. So I so do amazing. think 50 is the new 30. That's the way I think about it. And in my head, I'm still in my thirties. So. 
Yeah. I think at our age, um, we definitely know what we don't want. We may not have figured out what we do want. Um, and I'll tell you a quick story. My husband and my sister and her husband have been doing a little bit of traveling um, over the last year. And a couple of weeks ago, we were we flew to Nashville and then we rented a car and and looked around Nashville, South Carolina, North Carolina area thinking about retirement someday. And so we did meet with a realtor in each of these locations, but it got to the point where we would eliminate something uh, sooner than the time we had allotted to be there. And it actually got more rapid the longer we were there. So like we were in Nashville for two days instead of three days. And then we said, yeah, this isn't a place for us. I don't think this is fun for a weekend, but not to live. And then we moved on to the next location. And it turned out that we ended up abandoning our plans midstream and ended up in Georgia and then Florida. So in five days, we were in five states and we were just cracking up because we were like, we don't know what we want in retirement, but we know what we don't want. And um, and we were just so quick to pivot. Like, we're not going to yes. waste their time, our time. There's so much to see. Let's just keep going, keep exploring. And um, I just think, you know, coming to it with curiosity and playfulness and not taking it, you know, in that situation, we aren't ready to retire anyway. Um, but, you know, if we could approach life that way, you know, just knowing and figuring out what we don't want so we can pave the way. I for love what we that. Do and I think you're so right because sometimes you don't know what you want until it happens to you, but you probably certainly know what you don't want. <laughs> We've all had those experiences, whether it's, you know, people or situations or jobs. And, and I've, I do find myself these days making a much more conscious effort to get rid of toxic people in my life. You know, it's like, I just don't have time for that. I don't have the energy for it. And why, why would I, why do I have to deal with people that are negative? Yeah. I think that's something with COVID that it really is, um, that I feel that, that way too, that, you know, you can have a lot of acquaintances, but it really is true. You only need a few really close friends. Um, and, and so figuring out who those people are. And that, you know, sometimes it is changing and sometimes relationships can be sustainable for longer. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't like to be around a lot of drama and, um, you know, really trying to, to stay positive and light and I'm attracted to people. Yeah. Who are and isn't it interesting in though, how way. certain people just attract drama around them. And, and, and I've learned mm -hmm. that sometimes it's, it's something about their, what they're putting out in the universe and they're just getting it back in spades and, it doesn't ever really change. You know, it's like, that's just kind of what, what they are. So, yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So um, speaking of people, how did you um, find your dream team and, and how many people are? Part yeah. Of well, I actually met James, my co-founder through my husband, they had been working together and James had pulled Bill aside and said, Hey, I've got these formulations. What do I do? And because my husband's never worked in beauty ever, he's only worked in like financing cars and things like that. It's very stereotypical, which <laughs> shouldn't be, but um, he said, talk to Lynn. And I've loved beauty. I've worked in a lot of, a lot of beauty brands over the years. So that's how I met James is he kind of threw us together. And I didn't think, I think he thought it was just going to be a dinner and that was it. 
and I'd give him some advice and move on. But I obviously, <laughs> the universe had other plans. So that was that. But then what we did is we, we did what I kind of am suggesting to other people. We kind of looked at each other and our, 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 what we needed to do to build this and what capabilities we needed. We brought in a CFO. We brought in a digital acquisition specialist. We have a content person who's a really good friend of mine from high school. My brother does our fulfillment. He's really good at it. Um, it's a godsend. Um, and then I've got a few other people on the team that are, you know, people we knew or I knew from just, you know, my pre my previous life. And and that's been great because, um, you know, one of the big upsides of being an entrepreneur is you get to pick who you work with. And for me, I blend my work and my personal life. Like I don't really separate those things. So to have like family and friends and we're all working together has been like just an absolute sheer joy of what I do. Cause we talk every day and it's just so nice when it's somebody you like and you know, you have a lot to, in common besides it's not just work. So, you know, there's, there's, there's personal stuff too. And it just makes it, it just makes it really, really enjoyable. Yeah, I like that too. I like blending my my worlds. Um, and I think it is really nice. I know um, in all the businesses I've ever been involved in, I've always stayed in touch with a handful of people. And um, I like to yeah. introduce my friends to my friends and my family. And um, yeah, it's. I think it is, you're right, we only have so much time in our life. And so if you can't be friendly with your coworkers, it's such yeah, a Yeah, it totally is. I, I think that's right. And I think it's also about having the type of culture and relationships that you want in your work. And for me, I wanted people that I completely trust because I don't like to micromanage at all. I like to have people that I know are good at what they do and are enjoying what they do. And we can support each other versus me having to constantly check on people, you know, and the benefit of, of bringing people that you know in is, you know, what they're capable of. So, you know, you get past that whole, like whatever, however many months it would take you to learn somebody's way of working or their skills or, you know, um, that whole, that whole piece of it, 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 you can, you can shortcut that and get right on with it. And the trust is there. Yeah, it's so true. What would you say has been the most challenging? Well, I would say for me, it's been managing cash flow. And the reason I'm saying that is because my eyes are bigger than my stomach when it comes to the business. I always want to do more things than we have the money for. Um, and we did not take investment money after that one conversation with that investor. And we had several like that, by the way, with similar feedback. I really soured on it. I'm like, I don't need a VC who's going to be second guessing me or looking to replace me with a younger person in a year. You know, I, forget it. So we just self-funded. We don't have outside money, but when you are self-funding, like we try to have, obviously, you know, the business pay for any investments into R and D and whatnot. And there's just, I have a list of like 50 things I want to do. <laughs> and it's just, that's the frustrating thing. It's like, you just can't until you have the money to do it. You have to wait, you have to wait and you have to just, you know, grow your business enough to, fund the next thing and then the next thing. But having said that, we just, we did fund one of my 
wish list things, which was a large size ceramic refillable bottle that's launching next month. So I'm really excited about that because we were able to get that made. Um, that's nice. Yeah, that's really nice. Well, I don't know if you have a lot more products on the horizon, but um, I think it would be really, really great if you had a hair color product. <laughs> I know. I know. I love to get my hair colored, you know, professionally, but um, I also periodically color it myself. And um, I do use a brand. I won't mention it, but um, and I, I think that that could be a nice addition, you know, if your formulators can come up with. I hadn't thought of hair like color that. because it seems like very chemical, you know, like it, well, actually that's not true because um, what's the brand? Is it called Madison Reed? I think. Uh, yeah. Cause that that's more use, of a natural, yeah. that's more of a natural formulation. I believe I'd have to look it up. I don't know a lot about them, but um, when I worked on L'Oreal, I worked on the hair color business and it was not natural. It was like, there's ammonia and formaldehyde and all sorts of stuff in those. Um, which I know they were trying to clean up and maybe, I mean, it was a long time ago that I worked on it, probably 15 years. So maybe, maybe it has, has gotten better, but yeah, that would be interesting. Um, I think our next product is actually going to be a hair mask because, you know, for us, it's all about hydration. And what we found is that some people that have like really coarse or really dry or really fried hair, they just need like a massive dose of repair, you know, and, um, and so that's what we're working on. Um, and I think also there's a self-care element to doing that, you know, that people are really looking for, you know, now that we're at home, it's like the idea of masks, whether it's face hair, whatever. Um, I think people are using a lot more of them. Yeah, I think it is nice. And it is, yeah, we have to um, treat ourselves to yes. indoor spa you know, in-home spa. Um, and yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. Um, I like the idea, you know, like with skincare where, um, you know, they always say that it's important to set, sort of follow the brand that each ingredient in, you know, maybe a serum versus a moisturizer, they're built to layer on top of each other and to go together. I kind of think that with hair as well, right? The shampoo, the conditioner, the serums, the masks, and um, maybe the hair color. Well, I can use the hair color too. So there, now you planted the seed in my brain. I won't be able to forget it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's true to some extent, but a lot of people don't use the products that way. They'll have like their favorite, you know, hairspray from one brand or, you know, serum from another brand or whatever. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of people that will use our serum just as a touch up and they won't use our shampoo and conditioner. And, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. It's like whatever works. Um, I think everyone's got their own, their own quirks when it comes yeah. to their personal care routines for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I, I've always been that way. I've always tried to follow the brand to the degree that I can, but I know a lot of people, um, like to dibble dabble in lots yeah, of different exactly. things. That's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what advice would you give to someone who's okay? So of first of all, I think you have to see, like, is this a side thing? Or is this going to be like a business that you're trying to grow and run and sell or do whatever you want with someday? And if it is, if it is a business that you want to be profitable and, and large or, or large enough to, you know, give you some revenue, the first thing you have to do is make sure that there is actually a market for what you what you want to do. Um, I've seen a lot of products 
um, that, uh, whether brands or products that um, just really didn't have a big enough market. And it's just hard to grow if you're, if you're niche to begin with. Um, so that's number one. And that's easy to figure out. You know, you can, you can talk to friends, you can talk to family, you can look at your competitors, you can do your research, you know, you can just really understand the size of the prize and how scalable it is. Um, and then the white space, where do you sit and are you differentiated? Because if, if you're going into an area like skincare, we were just talking about there, okay, it's a huge, you know, obviously everyone uses skincare pretty much, but um, there's so many products and there's so many brands launching all the time that, you know, for you to stand out, that's not easy. So you have to think about that. And then I would also suggest to somebody to spend some time thinking about the brand values and the brand proposition up front. Don't wait. So you can easily get enamored with a product and put the brand on the back burner, but then it will cause you problems down the road because you're going to have to sort of unravel things potentially, which I've had to help several startups do when I was doing consulting. They had launched products, not brands, and then their brand voice was all over the place and they didn't understand why and their proposition wasn't clear. And so just spending a little bit of time doing that up front will save you a lot of time later. And then I think it is building the team, which is what we were talking about earlier, because once you have those people in place, you can then figure out the go to market strategy, you know, how to make all the different pieces of, of the puzzle work and um, you'll have the capabilities to do it. So those are probably the big things you need to think about first. And then of course, there's the funding question, just being realistic about that. How much, you know, what do you have the stomach to, to be able to, you know, put in the money? And it's always more than you think, by the way, <laughs> you know, you might think to yourself, well, mm. I can really do this for $50,000. And then before you know it, it you're a hundred thousand dollars in, it just always is. So I think you have to be super pragmatic and realistic about that and decide how, how are you going to fund this thing? Are you going to fund it yourself? You're going to find investors, you're going to find angels, seed investors, whatever, friends and family, Kickstarter, whatever you do, but that's, um, you, you don't want to be in the middle of it and realize you don't have money to go on and you've already invested a lot. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, your yeah. ability to um, manage risk, right? What's your tolerance? And what's your plan B if you need help? What are you going to do? Um, it's so important. Yeah, great advice. Um, oh my gosh, well, I hope that everybody listening is really being inspired by your story. And um, I hope that they're going to give your products a chance because they're just terrific. So if someone wanted to um, buy it. Um, yeah. Milk, so thank you, by the way. Um, and if they do want to try it out, go to lovemasmi.com. Um, that's our website. You can also follow us on social at lovemasmi hair. That's on like every social channel, including TikTok, by the way. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> it's good for the kids. Yeah, yeah it's good for the kids, right? Got to try it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then are you also um, offering this to hair salons? We actually um, are in a few salons as well. Um, it was tough last year because so many salons were struggling and opening and closing and opening, you know, that whole thing. So um, 
we're hoping this year to get more salon traction, but we are in all spoken wheel salons nationwide. There are eight, they're excellent. Um, there's New York, LA, Palo Alto, San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, Nashville. I'm probably missing one, but, um, and then we're in Dream Dry and, and BLVD as well. And a few other smaller salons. Um, but we love our salon partners because it's just, that's been great for people to, you know, try and experience the product firsthand. That's excellent. Yeah. My brother-in-law owns a salon in Nashville. So cool. I'm looking forward to telling him about you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else? No, you thank like you. This was a really great conversation and I'm always open to feedback and, or if people just have questions. So actually I can just share my email if anyone does want to get in touch for any reason. It's lynn at lovemasami.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank and, you too. Um, I look forward to keeping in touch. Bye. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lynn as much as I did. If you're thinking about leaving your corporate job or starting a side hustle, get all your ducks in a row and then go for it. Allow the universe to support you. If you're looking for a new hair care brand, please give Masami a try. I'm loving the products and happy to recommend them. You can find them in select salons and online at lovemasami.com. If you like this podcast, please share it with someone you love and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you can listen to our upcoming episodes. If you'd like help making some lifestyle changes, please visit my website, www.tamaraortigal.com to schedule a health chat. I would so love to help you develop a plan that addresses your specific needs. And if you're looking for the best nutritional support, please consider Juice Plus. It's 30 fruits and veggies in a capsule or gummy. It's real food and can help you stay healthy, especially during stressful times. Have a wonderful day. Be well.